Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books, from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now, let the show begin. Hi, this is The Author Show, and I'm your host, Linda Thompson. Before I introduce our guest, just a quick reminder, the selected interviews are available in our iPhone app, which can be downloaded in the App Store, and our app name on all platforms is The Author Show. It couldn't happen here, or could it? That was from our book, Lapel, Lest Assumed Power Ends Liberty, a thriller of a novel that I can't wait to finish. Our guest, author Trevor Trigg, joins us from Victoria, Australia, to tell us more. Trevor, welcome to The Author's Show. Many thanks, Linda. It's great to be here with you. Thank you so much. Trevor, will you please give us a quick overview of Lapel? Sure. My story starts with the assassination of a statesman and the kidnapping of an ordinary fellow. How he survives that, that he's got to find the inner resolve to discover the extent of the conspiracy and why there are attempts on his life and the people that he loves. He's a loose cannon and a loose end. There's only one person he can trust. And together, they've got to find the deep end and dive straight into it. Well, can you tell me what served as the inspiration for Peter Piper and his thrilling adventure? Yes, there are two primary things that I wanted to do in this book. And the first takeout would be that there are no extraordinary people, only extraordinary circumstances that ordinary people deal with. Now, that's a quote from William Halsey, who was a World War II US Admiral of the Fleet, and has been used by many statesmen since. So I needed my hero to be of that ilk, and indeed most of the characters in the book. I didn't want superheroes. And the other takeout is that Democracy is fragile. Every democracy in the world has been assailed in one way or another, except Australia and one or two others. So they were the things that predetermined who my people should be in the book. While you were writing Lapel, were you considering any ideal type of reader? Thriller readers who really like to see the inciting incident in the first couple of pages and have the thriller take off like a rocket and just keep going. So that was the reader that I was looking for. And indeed, I'm that type of reader. There's an axiom that's been pinched a few times, and it goes like this. If you can't find the book that I want to read, then I should write it. So that's the sort of I'm looking for. I love that. So tell me, Trevor, which came first, your characters or the plot? Most definitely the characters, and as previously mentioned, I wanted them to be ordinary people, but I wanted to see the growth. So the characters predetermine where the story goes. I mean, there is a marvellous interview on YouTube between Lee Child, the Jack Reacher author, and Stephen King. Now, Child is, I think he's a wonderful writer. I'm not necessarily a Reacher fan, but I'm a Child fan. And in the interview, he said that his reader gets to find out what Reacher is going to do next same time Lee Child does. In other words, he doesn't know where the story's taking it. And I'm exactly the same. I was chuffed to see that because my characters get themselves into these predicaments and that's when I find out how they're going to get out of those predicaments. <laughs> and I think it makes for a great plot. Absolutely. So why is your story set 30 years in the past? Well, 30 years in the past, the late 80s and the early 90s, there are two reasons for choosing that. The first is that it's such rich pickings. You couldn't write it in fiction, some of the things that were going on in the late 80s and the early 90s. If you consider 
Saddam Hussein, Gaddafi, teetering apartheid, neo-Nazism, all of that. But the second reason is that in current fiction, there's a lot of emphasis on electronic gizmos that we use in our day-to-day life. And oftentimes, as you see in the movies, someone presses a button and the traffic lights change all over the city. I didn't want that. I'm not interested in electronic cliches. I'm interested in the humanity of a story and where people take it. So the rich pickings, plus the fact that electronics have got no part in my story. Well, if you were to compare Lapel with any other, what would that other book be? I doubt that there is one. As I said, if you, if you can't find it right, <laughs> as I say, I do like the way Lee Child writes. Primarily, he seems to have chosen the period before the turn of the century for Reacher. Reacher originally was born in the 1960s. He seems to be ageless because he's got him into the 21st century as well. So I suppose Lee Child's books are the closest that I would suggest come to my lapel, recognising that I wrote them before I ever read a Lee Child book. So I was pleasantly surprised to see that there is somebody else who has a similar attitude. Will Peter return to us in a sequel or maybe a series? And if so, can you give us a teaser of book two? Yes, the second book in the series is a book called Looming August 8th. And primarily that, well, the inciting incident is about an arms deal who's got a competition going between assassins to kill one of my innocents, a woman. And that's got implications for the whole story, that the winning assassin is going to be paid a multi-million dollar bounty. And of course, it takes off from there. Again, there are undercurrents and there are plots under the radar. The third book in the series is called Lepers on an Ocean of Lies. And that starts off with a member of a royal family being murdered. Now, there are about 25 monarchies still left in the world, so the threat against royals starts off the story that, again, we have undercurrents and under-the-radar plots that are woven through the book, again, prior to the turn of the century, because there are rich pickings there. Absolutely. So tell me, was Lapel written to make the reader think, or is it written for pure escapism? I think... Entertainment is why writers write. They're all about entertainment. You just park your brains at the door when you go and see a movie, James Bond or something like that. And I'm not necessarily saying park your brains at the door when you read my book. But it it should be about page turning and it should be about a trajectory that people want to be on and feel the rush. Trevor, what has been the most rewarding experience for you since publishing Lapel? I'm guessing the reviews. One of my readers kept writing me emails telling me, I want more, I want more. And that is the greatest reward you can have. Someone really appreciates your work. I suppose I really understand the sense of satisfaction because in an earlier life, I have been an artist. I've kept the studio for the last 50 years. So I understand what standing back from a finished product is like when you feel the great satisfaction for turning out the way you wanted it to. And in writing, which is also an art form, that's the way it is for me. There's another apocryphal saying in writing, it's hard work and I don't necessarily like writing, but I love having written. And that's a great (laughs) sense of satisfaction. (laughs) Do your characters take on traits of real people or are they just pure imaginary? Well, when I'm writing them, I immerse myself in them. So they are certainly real to me when I'm writing. At the moment, I'm 50,000 words into a prequel for one of the characters that are in my series. And I've really gotten into that. I'm sort of in his body and in his mind. You have some really priceless quotes on your website under the tab titled, Say What? 
Are these quotes from your books? Yes, they are. They're all out of the mouth of the characters. So every one of them is part of a dialogue. Is there some humor in your book? Yes, there is. There's all the elements. There's funny spots. There's certainly some romantic spots. There's no such thing as a good story without a bit of romance in it, I think. I've got a plaque at bucket and heartstrings. So there's certainly that. All of the elements for entertainment need to be in it. And that's what I've tried to cover. What would you like readers to remember when they've finished Lapel? The, the important thing to remember is, I mean, there's no moral there, but the important thing to remember is that democracies are fragile. And we're seeing it even now in 2022. I mean, look at Taiwan right across the headlines as it has been for the last many years. And we've got Myanmar and Ukraine and Fiji, Hong Kong, all the places that have been in the headlines for the last few years, showing us that democracies must be very delicately handled and they need to be nurtured. And as I say, Australia is a very young democracy and is untainted, but it's also at the bottom of the world and is very vulnerable. What kind of research do you do to ensure the believability of your stories? I do a lot of research, and thank goodness for the internet, it makes it so much easier. But all of the elements that are historical elements in the book are thoroughly researched, and there's about a dozen of them. And, of course, despots and dictators figure in that, and there's a rich history for the finding on the internet to get all of those things into the story and into the plot. As you mentioned, you're also an artist. So do you work on your art as well as your writing, or is your artwork in the past? Pretty much the artwork is in the past, although I still have exhibitions. I was in an art show in the last month or so, but I'm finding that time is more and more precious to me. I mean, I love building things. I love boats and old cars. I find that spending time there is almost impossible to get enough time in front of the computer and write as well. So it's a juggle. I wish I had another 50 years in front of me. <laughs> it's a juggle for time. And my art gave me the satisfaction and the great sense of reward back then, and now writing is doing that for me. Trevor, will you please read a short excerpt from Lapel for us? Certainly. A few seconds of intro for that, because there are a few names in what I'm going to read. The first name is Peter Piper. He's my central character, and he's escaped the kidnapping and prevailed against attempts to murder him. He's a time bomb ticking away for the bad guys, and they've got to tie him off. The second name is Robbie Burns. He's a middle-aged detective sergeant, and the only person that Piper can trust because there are unknown conspirators. Now, previously, Piper and Burns have been polar opposites, but now they're a team, and you know they've been involved in personal stouches before, but now they're part and parcel of the only team that can get to the bottom of this. The third name is Montebello. He's Mafioso. He's an assassin, Piper's hitherto nemesis. So in this piece, Piper has fetched Robbie Burns from his home and on a lousy weather night and taken him to a park in the city of Melbourne. Now, Burns has got a packed bag for what happens next. So this is it out of Chapter 20. It was nearing midnight when they arrived at the giant Morton Bay fig tree. It had taken 45 minutes from when they parked Piper his motorcycle and burns his car. The time had been spent circling on foot and lying in wait. Meticulously, they surveyed the park and parked cars in proximity. Burns' overnight bag had produced binoculars for the purpose. Only when they were positive, there being no surveillance, they advanced on the tree. The rain had ceased and the fig had almost stopped shedding droplets from its vast canopy. 
With the break in the weather, the background of city and park lights produced a penetrable gloom. Piper stepped onto a half-metre tall buttress root that snaked up to the trunk in a sweeping arc. He swung a leg over an accessible low-branch fork and hauled himself into a straddled position with the rising branch at his back and the tree's next major fork not quite in view around the trunk at eye level. A mass of dark flotsam was visible, resting in the unseen fork. He reached up and into the bundle, pulled, and the puppet-like torso of Montebello fell sideways into his arms. Piper cringed and muttered at the macabre behaviour. The effect wasn't lost on Burns either. Midnight, poor weather, gnarled monster tree, and two men f***ing a corpse out of it. The nape of his neck shivered, but oddly it transmuted into glue. You bloody wee beauty, he whispered with a grin. Burns held a pencil flashlight and quickly examined Piper's handiwork when the corpse was on the ground. Geez, he threw a wide-eyed glance at Piper. No way I'm going to tangle with you again. How the hell did you get him up there? Low branch first, then he's built on his wrists, around the next one and heave ho. <laughs> An engineer's solution. The contents of the overnight bag were sorted and selected under the meagre beam of Burns' flashlight. Scruffy old clothes, smelly too, Piper noticed. Garden apparel soiled on the outside and sweated upon from within. Mismatched socks and dirty old tennis shoes, none of it would fit the body. Burns being a significantly bigger man. All the better hobos closed never fit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've got to finish it. So where can we learn more about you? Out about all your other books, and where can we purchase Lapel? Lest assume power ends liberty. My website is trevortrigauthor.com. That's all one word, Trevor Trigg, T-R-E-B-O-R-T-R-I-G-G, author.com. My books are all for sale there. There's a free book, because I'm a poet in years gone by, and some years ago I published Australian Ballads. So there's a free copy of that available on the website. And on your website, there are links to purchase, several links to purchase your books from different online retailers. Is that correct? Yes, that's right, Linda. We've been talking with Trevor Trigg, author of the book, Lapel, Lest Assume Power Ends Liberty. Trevor, thank you for spending time with us today, sharing your really intriguing book. I'm sure a lot of our audience will be as interested in Lapel as I am. And I hope that when you publish your next book, that you'll come back and chat with us again. Thank you, Linda. It's been wonderful. The author has Peter Piper in situations that got my heart pumping and kept me intrigued the whole way through. Cleverly written twists and turns to the last page. A really enjoyable read. I loved it. Looking forward to the sequel. Well, if that review and this interview has you wanting more, go to trevortrigauthor.com and order your copy today. And when you finish reading, don't forget to post your review. And please share this interview with your friends so that they too can become acquainted with our author. And remember, the author's show may be accessed at any time at theauthorsshow.com. Plus, selected interviews can also be found on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, and many more. Whether you're an author who would like to be featured or a reader in search of new books, theauthorsshow.com is a really great place to start. Thanks for listening to The Author Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorsshow.com. Theauthorshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show.